This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, and welcome again to the future of finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Welcome back. I'm Sam and I'm joined today by Shireen Kurihak, the Chief Operating Officer of Lloyds of London. Welcome. Thank you very much, Sam. We always begin these sessions just giving a little bit of a flavour as to the journey that you've gone on, maybe talking a little bit about your career to date. So please do tell us about your background. So my father is Palestinian. My mother is Turkish. I was born in Beirut, which is where they were based when I showed up. My father was a geophysicist, so we moved all over the world. And by the time I was 12, I'd lived on every continent except for Antarctica. And they used to threaten me with Antarctica, and I'm glad we didn't end up there after all. So I grew up in lots of different schools and eventually ended up in Australia where I did a degree in accounting and economics and then moved to the US. And I started working as an accountant. I became a CPA and then I worked for McDonald's. At that time, my responsibility was to do the regional operations and financial management for 160 McDonald's-owned restaurants. And that meant that I spent a small proportion of my time doing the finance piece, a lot of my time making sure that those restaurants ran effectively and made money. While I was doing that, I did my MBA at Ohio State University. And then when I graduated, it was at the cusp of the dot-com boom, and I decided to move to IBM because I thought that was the place to be. I spent nine years at IBM in the US and also in the UK, working mainly in the consumer products and retail industries on very large systems implementations, but not on the systems pieces, on actually restructuring organizations and making sure that they were fit for purpose mm-hmm. around these, these big systems. And then I moved into mergers and acquisitions, and it was around integrating big firms from a structural and a systems perspective. After nine years at IBM, I was asked to join Catlin within the London insurance market. Mm -hmm. They were looking for someone who knew a lot about technology and operations, but didn't know very much about insurance. They wanted someone who could ask why certain things had been done a certain way for 300 years. I really enjoyed my time there. I got to learn a lot about insurance. The team there were very kind to me in explaining how the industry worked. And then I decided to move to Lloyd's. That was where I took on what I describe as a dual role. My day job is to be the COO of Lloyd's and to do all the things that COOs do around data and systems and premises and running big programs and just making sure things work. But the other side of my job was that I was asked by the London Market Group, which represents the 350 firms within our insurance market, to run the modernization initiative for them. And that's what I've been doing for the last three years. So essentially, we are digitizing our insurance market, we are streamlining our processes, and we're ensuring that we continue to be the most attractive place in the world for our clients to place risks and to receive the best service they possibly can. For those who don't know, the Lloyd's market, should I explain about that a little bit? It was my next question. Was it? Okay, excellent. I I will actually do both sides of this interview. Um, (laughs) I'll ask my own questions and answer them. I want to go get a cup of tea. 
So Lloyd's is the world's insurance and reinsurance specialist market. We have a global reach of over 200 countries and territories worldwide. And last year, our global premiums totaled $33.6 billion, and we paid out $18.3 billion in claims. We have around 60 insurance firms that operate around 90 syndicates. We've been around for 330 years, and the type of business that we do is very, very diverse. We were the first to write auto insurance um, when the cars first appeared. We were the first to write aviation insurance when airplanes came to be. When we started insuring cars, we didn't have terminology for cars, so they were ships navigating on land. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's how far back all of this goes. We write a very vibrant um, cyber book. We were the first to write that. And we have a very large market share. And maybe we can go back into that later if you're interested. Absolutely. Thank you. Wow. The history of Lloyd's has always been fascinating. Am I right in thinking it began with shipping insurance? Yes. Yeah. And it's absolutely a, a jewel in the UK's crown, I think. We're right at the forefront of the insurance industry, thanks to Lloyd's. And also a very diverse career. I didn't, I didn't realise it spanned quite as much as it did. And I'm sure Ginny Rometty will be chuffed to hear you say that IBM was the place to be. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the insurance landscape itself. Obviously, you came in and joined insurance with Catlin and then Lloyd's. And you just said, why has it been done like this after 300 years? How have you seen it change since you've been there? And what are some of the quickest trends you're seeing that are evolving the landscape today? I came into the insurance industry in 2007, which was right before the global financial crisis. It's quite different from banking in that insurance never had to be bailed out. However, what did happen as a result was financial services um, started to be regulated quite heavily, and insurance became part of that. So the regulation has definitely increased over the time that I've been there. In terms of trends, like any other industry, we have increasingly sophisticated clients. We have increasingly complex environments in which we need to compete. And we need to continue to be innovative in terms of the products that we mm -hmm. offer. We need to really understand who our clients are and how we can best serve them. And we need to continue to evolve with them and their needs. And we need to find better and faster ways of doing things. So, you know, in 300 years, we've been using a lot of paper. There's been a lot of walking around of bits of paper to get stuff agreed. We are now doing this electronically. We've implemented an e-trading system. And for the first time ever, we have organizations trading electronically. We have 9,000 users. We have over 100 underwriting firms. We've got around 40 brokers that are submitting their business in an electronic way. Now, Lloyd's has the ability to mandate that things are done a certain way in our market. We introduce a mandate that we wanted in the second quarter for 10% of our business to be traded electronically. And I was delighted that our market actually came in at almost 17%. Wow. They almost doubled it. And not only that, but our competitors who also operate in the same market, now they didn't all report because they're not mandated in the same way. They do things voluntarily. The ones that reported submitted over 20% of their business electronically. So this is a good market that is truly coming together to make London as strong as it can possibly be and the best that it can be for its clients. And it's, it's amazing to be in that environment for the first time in this many years. Those are incredible numbers and, and not numbers I would have guessed, actually. 
You spoke just then about the inflection point that financial services went through, which was the global financial crisis. It feels like the inflection point for insurance hasn't been one that's mandated. It's an industry reaction to becoming more efficient. So within the insurance industry, there are obviously multiple different actors sitting on different sides of the fence. You've got on one side the underwriters, the carriers, and then on the other side you've got the brokers. And if you're talking efficiencies, there's an enormous amount by the underwriters spent on cost of distribution. That seems to me like one of the biggest sort of standout inefficiencies. How do you think that's going to play out? Do you think the role of the broker will change? Do you think the underwriters have an opportunity to take back some of that distribution cost? My view is that we need to always look at the customer when we think about any of this. The brokers that work in our market are the ones that deal with our customers. They're mm-hmm. the ones that serve them. Yes, there is a high cost of distribution. And over the years, the cost of doing business has increased. So if you talk to the brokers, they will say that that cost of distribution is reflected. And I'm always asked about this. I was asked about this when we very first started our modernization program. If we can implement this, can we then reduce the cost of distribution? My view is if we can make our market efficient, Mm -hmm. if we can make it the place for our brokers to come to, if we can make it a digitized marketplace that responds to our customer needs quickly, then we can talk about how the distribution model works and we can talk about the cost of it. Mm -hmm. And our clients will determine how they want to do business. They will determine the premiums that they're willing to pay because ultimately it's all reflected in the client premium. Mm -hmm. And we need to work together to ensure that the process of distribution is as streamlined as it can be, that Mm -hmm. whoever is in that line is adding value. And those that are adding value are then adequately compensated for it. And I believe that as we continue to build this efficiency, the market will play out and it'll level out to a place where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Our customers understand the costs, they understand the chains, and they will also have a point of view on how that should work. Thank you. Lloyd's is is absolutely a center of, of excellence in the space that it operates. What do you see some of the competitors being perhaps over the coming years? There is a lot of competition in our in our mm. market. One source of competition is actually, you know, clients insuring themselves, not buying insurance, because they have more data on their risks. Yeah. They have better information on how to manage them. And then the cost of capital is actually quite cheap. Mm-hmm. So they can make that decision. I think that there is going to be competition in terms of different products. With increased technology, and I think what's happening right now, we're at an inflection point where we can look at things like smart contracts. We can look at how we work using distributed ledgers, et cetera. And there is so much data that can be fed into the writing of a risk, but also in the assessment of claims as well, that we need to be coming up with products that actually make sense for our customers. And I think the part of the market that comes up with that and is able to tailor those products for those customers, they're going to be the winners. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The ones that can then do that in a way that is most efficient, I think they're going to win. Because I don't see, I mean, in, in Lloyd's, we used to have these cycles of hard 
market and soft market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone thinks anymore that a hard market is going to come back. Also, we don't see any time in the near future where capital is going to become very scarce. So we are in an environment now where we must compete on service, we must compete on products, and we must do that in the most cost-efficient way possible. And I think that there will be fallout in the industry and the organizations that do that will be the ones that survive. Mm -hmm. You mentioned data, which is obviously the ultimate buzzword, and I've got a thousand cliches that could follow that word. But I guess that is probably right at the core, particularly for a 300-plus-year-old business, right at the core of the innovation that Lloyd's is undergoing. And I observed a while back that you were one of the first organizations of your scale, size, and type that appointed a chief data officer. Yeah. And I know that, that a lot of your business evolution has been around data. You've also recently built a Lloyd's Lab. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the Lloyd's Lab and sure. some of the wins that, that you've had there so far? Well, we started out with the data lab and our chief data officer is Helen Crooks, mm -hmm. who came out of Tesco and Virgin Money. And I felt that when she came on board, we needed to go outside of the industry and we needed to find someone who had really worked with data and was very, very close to the customer as well. So Helen has spent some time at Lloyd's actually looking at the data that we've got and cleaning it up. Mm -hmm. But now we're at a stage where that's finished and we're doing some very exciting things in the areas of data science. And um, we've got some pilots and machine learning and artificial intelligence, which are really delivering a lot of value. Mm -hmm. You'll know um, from our previous conversations that we've recently launched our Lloyd's Lab. Mm -hmm. So the lab is helping us to build a more sustainable and competitive insurance market by providing a dynamic environment where entrepreneurs can come in with fresh ideas and help us redefine how we use technology to better serve our customers around the world. So it was launched just a few weeks ago, and our global search for technology talent brought in more than 200 applications over 36 countries. Mm -hmm. And then we went through a competitive pitch process, and we've now offered 10 teams a spot in the Lloyd's Lab's first founding cohort, and that'll be kicking off on the 8th of October. So they will be looking at ideas that range from AI-powered platforms, live streaming drones for fast risk and disaster assessment, to harnessing the Internet of Things for live cargo tracking. So that we've got quite a wide diversity of ideas. The one wonderful thing for me has been that we have had almost every single one of our insurance firms within our market actively engaged in selecting these teams. And we have people from 20 of our firms who are actively mentoring these teams mm -hmm. as they build out their ideas. So it is an incredibly exciting time for us, not just in terms of the technology that's available, but the vibrancy of these teams that are so excited. And then the engagement of this 300-year-old market, which is really excited about building out new ideas and new propositions for our customers. Awesome. That's really, really exciting. And you're kind of teaming up perfectly for the next question yet again. One of the things we're seeing is as we do our market scans of all the innovative companies, and there's all sorts of cool new technologies and business models being applied to the insurance industry up and down the value chain. One of my personal favorites is one called Slipcase that I like to think of it as the, the Bloomberg of the insurance industry. There's sort of social news feed. And I think it's 
that sort of organization that's really showing the shift of mindset of the people in Lloyd's, one of the things that we'll have to keep an eye on to make sure that that shift is accelerated is talent, Mm -hmm. which you mentioned a moment ago. What do you think that businesses, as well as the market, need to do to ensure that they continue to innovate, but also attract the best talent across business? Okay, so if I take that in two parts, Mm -hmm. the continuing to innovate. When I first took on this job of modernizing the market, I was told a number of things. I was told I was committing career suicide because this was a market that would never change. I was told that I was the 13th person at Lloyd's, I think, that had attempted this. And they looked forward to meeting number 14 because I wouldn't last either. And I was told that there had been so many failed attempts at innovation and modernization that this would never, ever work because everyone was old and, you know, had their own way of doing things. I said at the very beginning that nothing is too difficult to change. And I honestly believe that. What I've seen in our market is a group of people that really care about insurance, that really care about serving their customers. What they just didn't quite understand was how we were going to do things differently. We painted a vision for them. We delivered what we promised. And if you look at, we have a chart where we track adoption of new technologies. Mm -hmm. It's either blue for completed because we have 100% adoption or it's green and we have a couple of spots of amber. This is not what you would expect in this market given all of the things that I've heard before. So I absolutely believe that our market is really ready for innovation. And now when we talk about things, we're talking about blockchain and we're talking about AI and we're talking about the next thing and different types of ways of serving our customers. Mm -hmm. So I think what it takes in a market like ours with 350 firms and 52,000 people who all have their own views is a coming together behind a reason to better serve our customers and a reason to work differently. In terms of talent, you know, I've talked about the talent that's already in our market. And if you break that down, those are the best brokers, the best underwriters, the people who best understand risks. So we've got the talent that's already in there. What I've tried to do is bring in talent from outside of the industry as well. We did have a tendency to only hire people who knew insurance. As I built out our team, I talked about Helen Crooks, but we've also, um, within Lloyd's, we have a, a number of other people that we've brought in from other industries. My view has been if we can inject other industries expertise marry that up with the insurance experience that we already have we can really achieve great things and that's what we found people are willing to share information to get together to the right place we also are working with the london market group on bringing in younger talent as well We have a great network that is led by Teresa Bentley of the LMG. Mm. We have hundreds and hundreds of young ambassadors that go out to schools that are on Snapchat, that talk on social networking about our interesting industry. When people think about insurance, they think about car insurance and house insurance. They don't know the really exciting things that we do in our industry. And to speak to someone who is maybe a year or two ahead of you as you're coming out of university, Mm -hmm. it makes a big difference. So we are actively recruiting that way as well. One thing that I've been very personally passionate about is talking to very young people. So we have a collaboration through my team 
with the Clara Grant School. It's a primary school where we work with them. We bring them into Lloyd's. We show them what insurance can look like. We show them what careers can look like. And we work with them on writing and reading and numeracy and help them to do well academically along with the faculty there. But we also give them, I hope, an interest in insurance so that they can come through. Mm -hmm. Um, The wider market works with the brokerage CityLink. We work with a number of other community organizations to start bringing in children from primary school, but also secondary school and universities into our industry. And what we're looking for is people who have passion, who are diverse, who can represent our client base as well, because our client base is not a homogenous set of people. We're in 200 countries. You know, we we have clients from all over the world, genders, everything. And we're trying to implement that kind of diversity mm-hmm. at Lloyd's and in the in the wider London market as well. I'm very personally passionate about is to mentor young people as well. I find there is a point in young people's lives where they have to make certain decisions and to be able to offer them options that they may not have heard or thought about at that point is really useful in helping Mm -hmm. to guide them into insurance or elsewhere. Thank you. There's a few bits to pick up on there, I think. The first is is the grassroots stuff. It's so important. Uh, having worked very closely with the Lord Mayor Charles Bowman's team, I know that that's also a big driver for them at the moment. And they call it the City Number no. Three program. So maybe after this, yeah. we can tie you up with mm-hmm. with that program too, because they they do a fantastic job, and, and particularly with the mentorship of Number Two, who's kind of my generation, and then Number One, who are the the sort of boardrooms of the city. You talk about people and combining people, a diversity of people with outside talent. I think that's another really important point. Um, Not to cause you to blush, but whenever I meet with executive leadership teams from from the insurance industry, it's amazing to see how many women there are at the top of these organizations. Uh, We were with Hiscox just last week where Lydia, the head of strategy, is one of the most impressive people I've met in the industry. And people always point to yourself and to Inga as being two people that have really helped change that in an industry that that was middle-aged men and Balls Brothers and carrying pieces of paper under their arm. How do you think that's going to continue to evolve? And do you think that moving back to a male CEO and chairman will, will change that? Or do you think the, the improvements will continue? I think they will continue. I, I think Inga has done an amazing job in bringing awareness of diversity, not just in terms of gender, but all aspects mm-hmm. of, of diversity. Mm-hmm. She has made sure that it stays on the agenda at Lloyd's and across the market. Now, I saw the job description for the CEO of Lloyd's before John Neal was hired. Diversity was featured twice on there. Now, I'm not sure if it was because it was super important, but it was on there twice, which tells me, and I've heard it directly um, from Bruce uh, Carnegie Brown as well, that it's absolutely critical that we continue to promote diversity, even though we now have a male CEO. Mm -hmm. I mean, going Mm -hmm. from a female to a male CEO is also diverse, right? So, and I know that John also believes passionately in this. So Mm -hmm. I expect it to continue. 
We've also just had the Dive In Festival, which is the only sector-wide global diversity and inclusion festival in the world. Wow. So we had events in more than 50 cities and 27 countries, mm-hmm. including sessions on gender diversity in Saudi Arabia and Jordan. I mean, this is a huge amount of traction. We had an inclusivity pledge that was signed by a number of CEOs um, just a few weeks ago. People are taking this seriously. And they're seeing that it not only helps in terms of customer perception, but in terms of business performance as well. A recent BCG study found that companies that reported above average diversity on their management teams also reported that innovation revenue was significantly higher than companies with below average leadership diversity. So that would be 45% of total revenue coming from innovation where you had diversity compared to just 26%. Now these studies don't lie. And so there's real business sense in making sure we have diversity as well. Yeah, we we actually had Jared Moon, one of the senior partners from McKinsey on here recently. And McKinsey under Dame Vivian Hunt's leadership have done some fantastic studies on diversity. You, you really can't position yourself to compete without diversity of thought and diversity of people in your organization. And amazing to hear about the inclusivity pledges and, and so much diversity in the Middle East as well. It's great. Thank you. I think we're probably close to time. One of the questions we always end on is, is around role models. You said you've been a mentor. Have you had any mentors or role models through your career? Yes, I've definitely had mentors. I've been very lucky in that I've been able to find people who have taken an interest in my development and who have helped me make key decisions along the way. I'm often asked um, who my role models are. You know, is there anyone in business who's my role model? I don't have that. What I have always done is I love to observe things and people. So I will take a little bit from a politician. I'll take a little bit from a religious leader, something from a business leader, and just find things that I feel coincide with my values, with things that I'm trying to get done and, you know, just make a mix of that. That's that's for me. We couldn't end on a more perfect answer. Thank you. Shireen, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your continued support and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you. Thank you for your time and insights and thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.